Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, Who Believes God's Word Anymore? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Once we were a people who treated you with defiance, arrogance, and treated your word with arrogance and unbelief. But thank you, O God, for qualifying us to come to you with an attitude of humility. Thank you, O God, for opening our eyes to reality, opening to our eyes to the true and living God the creator of the ends of the earth. Thank you, O God, for granting us an understanding of your love exhibited on the cross. That you send your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our salvation. And you granted us faith to believe in your Son. And you have saved us. And we are saved people of God. We are the people from whose shoulders you removed the burdens. We are the people from whose shoulders you lifted up the yoke and broke it. And we are the people whom you set free. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Thank you, O God, for the deliverance you have accomplished through your truth. And we pray that you help us to hear your word with humility, with faith, that your word may enter our hearts, that it may enlighten us, that we may walk in the way of righteousness, that we may not live for ourselves, but for your Son who died for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Who believes in the Bible anymore? Robert Spencer, in his book, Islam Unveiled, makes this statement. Around the world, all sects of Islam teach that Quran is the perfect word of Allah valid for all peoples and all times. If anyone questions the authority of Quran, I say he must face serious repercussions. A Muslim convert to Christianity or to anything else in a Muslim land, forfeits his life. By classical Muslim understanding, the apostate deserves to die. No wonder Mohammedans believe in Quran and not oppose its authority. Yet vast majority of Christians around the world defiantly reject the authority of the true word of God, the Holy Bible. 
which was the foundation document of Western civilizations. And if a Christian opposes the Bible, he is praised and he is promoted in Christian lands. Great ancient universities of the Western world began by teaching the Holy Scriptures. Today, if you believe the Bible and the God of the Bible, you are mocked, despised, persecuted, demoted. Yet no one dares to mock anyone if he believes in the Quran. In the Christian world, what people hate is belief in the true word of God and not belief in any other word. Who believes in the Bible anymore? Why should anyone believe in the Bible? What happens if we do not believe in the Bible and in Jesus Christ, the only Savior of the world? I want to address that issue as we consider Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8, through chapter 10, verse 34. First, Israel rejected the word of God. The first half of the 8th century BC, it was a time of great economic prosperity for both Judah and Israel. As you remember, Uzziah ruled Judah, and Jeroboam II ruled Israel. This economic prosperity engendered not faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It produced self-sufficiency, independence, and sheer arrogance on the part of God's people. Therefore, the people rejected the word of God, which came to them through his prophets, Amos and Hosea in the north, and Isaiah in the south. They rejected God's law and oppressed God's people. They, people of God, treated God's word with utter contempt. Oh yes, they brought a lot of sacrifice, but the Lord was not pleased with their heartless worship. God says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. But the people rejected this call for justice and this call for righteousness. They rejected the word of the Lord. God, in his great mercy, brought the word of salvation. You remember to Ahaz, the king of Judah, in his time of trouble, Isaiah 7. 
but he would not believe the word of God. Listen to what Ahaz, son of David, speaking to Isaiah, the messenger and the prophet of God. Isaiah said, ask a sign, any sign, pray anywhere, God will do it, God will save you. Do not fear, God will help you. But Ahaz said, Isaiah 7, 12, I will not ask, I will not put the law to the test. He couched his unbelief in piety. Let me tell you what would happen when you or I do not believe in God's infallible and inerrant word of God. What would happen to you and to me and to anybody else when we reject the true word? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 8. The Lord has sent a word. That's what it says, a word, the word of God, the message. The Lord has sent a word against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. You see, God brings a word for you, for your salvation, and you reject it, as Israel rejected it, as Judah rejected it, as the people in the Western world rejected it centuries ago. Something happens, there is a word will come against Jacob, against the rejecters of God's saving message. It will fall on Israel in terms of its judgment. It will fall on everyone who mocks and despises the authoritative word of God. And not only that, all the people will know it. Take a look at it. If you have the Bible, if you don't have the Bible, uh, let one of the elders know. We, we have a lot of Bibles. They'll give you one. If you have it, open it. Uh, to Isaiah 9, verse 9. All the people will know it. Meaning, all the people will experience the judgment of God because... They rejected the word of God. Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say with pride and arrogance of heart, God sends you his word of salvation, but when you reject that word, there is serious, inexorable consequences. Young man, did you know about that? Young lady, did you realize that? Serious, necessary, inexorable, negative consequences. The second point I want to make is the word of the sovereign Lord is always effectual. God never sends a word that is empty, that is vain, that has no meaning. The word of the Sovereign Lord is always effectual. Let's take a look at a number of scriptures. Turn to Isaiah 28. That's right, 28th chapter, beginning with verse 10. 
for it is do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there. That's how the word of God comes to you. But you didn't want to believe that. You see, children, the one commandment, that's here a little, there a little. What is the commandment? Children, obey your parents. It's a little word coming from the book. Every day you are taught a little, here and little there. It is God's way of salvation coming through his word. And you didn't want to believe that. And verse 11, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people to whom he said, what did he say? You see, through the gospel, through the prophetic word, God was speaking to them, this is the resting place. (laughs) Let the weary rest. This is the place of repose. But they would not want. Listen, you see, the gospel comes to you and offers you rest, peace, salvation. And you didn't want to listen to it? I said the word of God is effectual. And so look at verse 13. So then the word of the Lord to them will become do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there, so that they will go and fall Backward, be injured, and snared, and captured. I think you should begin to tremble a little bit. Your response to the word matters. It will result either in rest or exile, restlessness, misery of soul. Turn with me to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, chapter 40 and verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God stands forever. It endures forever. It is ever settled in heaven. You cannot despise it and mock it and reject it and and feel wonderful. It would never happen. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. Let me read to you from verse 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, Without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. See, that's the purpose of rain. The rain comes from God, and, and there's a purpose so that you can eat bread. And the rain accomplishes that purpose. Do you know that's, that's why we are living? Because God gives rain, which produces bread, and we are eating, and we live. No rain, no bread. It's the way it is. But notice the analogy. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And you, the word of God, comes to you and comes to me first, For our salvation. 
And when we reject it, it becomes against us. It will fall upon us until we are broken, until we are rendered restless and miserable. But don't you ever entertain in your mind word of God is powerless. Oh, it is full of power. The power of the word of God is the power of God himself. The power of God, word of God is the power to judge and the power to save. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, we are told. Turn with me again to Jeremiah. Chapter 23 and verse 29. Take a look at young man and young lady and everybody else. Is not my word like fire? Fire burns. Fire destroys. Is not my word like fire? Declares the Lord. The Lord of the word. And like a hammer. That breaks a rock in pieces. Now you understand. When you reject and defy and mock and despise and not believe in God's declaration. There is going to be necessary inexorable and serious consequence in your life here and now in your history and in the world to come turn with me to second corinthians chapter 2 and let me read to you from verse 14 and following but thanks be to god who always notice that always leads us in triumph or in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. In other words, through us, God is proclaiming the gospel. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The same word, double-edged sword, brings about salvation to those who believe and honor God and brings about damnation and death and destruction to those who reject that word. To the one we are smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. Both brought about by the same gospel based on one's response to that word, life or death results. So the point is, God's word is always Effectual. 
So the third thing I want to say, if God's word is always effectual, why does man reject it? And why is, is he not believing the word of God? The answer is, he is proud. There are only two attitudes that we can bring to God. Attitude of arrogance or attitude of humility. Man doesn't believe in the Bible because he is proud. He is proud means he is God. Every arrogant man who will not believe in the gospel is saying, I am God. I am God. That's what your mother is saying, your father is saying, your uncle is saying, your brother who is a professor is saying, everybody who will not believe in the preached gospel is declaring that he is what? God. He is proud. All right, turn with me to Isaiah 9 and listen to the language of proud people beginning with God's own people to whom the word of the Lord came. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 9, and all the people will know it, will experience divine judgment, divine chastisement, divine punishment, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria. Now, who say with pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down. You see, God's judgment came and the bricks tumbling, came tumbling down. Well, I understand there is a little judgment of God came, the bricks fell down, but don't worry. We will not be chastised and disciplined and humbled. We are going to use stronger materials, dress stones, and we will build such structure. That will not fall down. This is the idea. Listen to the arrogant words of Samaria and Ephraim. Bricks have fallen down, but we will build, rebuild with dressed stone. In other words, no way, God, I will come under your rule. I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to believe in you. I'm not going to submit to you no matter what you are trying to do. Well, I believe they have a deficient theology. Otherwise, they wouldn't say that. Well, not only God's people say that. Pagans say the same thing. Assyria, the then world power. Turn to chapter 10. Now, we are told that God was using Assyria as a rod. As a switch, as a club, in his mighty hand, and to punish God's people and others. But let's listen to the language of Assyria. He didn't think he was a club. He thought he was the Almighty. Isaiah 10, beginning with verse 8. This is Assyria speaking, Syria personified. Are not my commanders all kings? He says, Has not Kalno fared like Karkamish? 
is not Hamath like Arpad and Samaria like Damascus. As my hand seized the kingdoms of the idols, kingdoms whose images excelled those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not deal with Jerusalem and her images as I dealt with Samaria and her idols? Listen to the language. And it is true, when you study history, Assyria defeated Kalno in 748 B.C. Carchemish in 717 B.C. Hamath in 720 B.C. Arpad in 740 B.C. And again in 720 B.C. And Samaria, you know, in 722 B.C. And Damascus was defeated by Assyria in 732 B.C. What is he saying? He is saying, I'm going to come to Jerusalem and I'm going to capture it and it says it's idols. That is, Jehovah is understood by Assyria as another idol. I'm just telling you, this is language of arrogance. He's saying, though he's a club and a, and a rod in the hand of the Almighty God to punish the nations as well as God's own people, he doesn't understand that. He arrogates to himself this power. He sees himself as the great king. He has ascended above God and looking down upon God. He's saying, nobody can stop me, let alone worthless idol, and he calls him Yahweh. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters and people of God, a little health, a little beauty, a little power, and a little money, gifts of God make people insane and independent of God. Or turn with me to the 14th chapter of Isaiah and listen to Babylon or Satan behind Babylon or any other kingdom speaking this, this arrogance of pride that I'm God. Pride. That's what pride is. That's what sin is. Isaiah 14, beginning with verse 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I'll make myself like the most high. That is the problem. That's the problem of the little kid who defies the mother and the father. As well as the problem of the proud professor. Or the mighty. Anybody else. The same demonic, satanic arrogance. That I am God. But look at verse 15 of Isaiah 14. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? No man, no nation, no power on earth can defy the transcendent, the holy, the mighty, the sovereign, creator of the ends of the earth, God.
old or young, rich or poor, men or women, bond or slave, you will feel the inexorable consequence in your life, here and now, and hereafter. He will deal with us. Why should we believe in the true word of God, the Holy Bible? Let me tell you why. Because if we don't, he will exercise his sovereign prerogative, his sovereign power to deal with us. He brings pressure upon pressure. Until his word becomes effectual in bringing about salvation or what? Judgment. Do you understand that? Let's pause a little bit. If you feel that arrogance welling up in you, pause a little bit. Let me tell you something that is true. You and I are not God. I want to disappoint you. Let me prove it to you we are not God. Keep your mouth shut and put your hands on the nose. Keep doing that. It will tell you our mortality, our finiteness. We live by breathing. We are not self-existing, self-sufficient, eternal being. God alone is independent, free, self-existing, self-sufficient being. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. But let me tell you another truth. We need him. In him we live and move and have our being. Number four, this Lord controls history. He is the Lord of history. He is the transcendent Lord. Now let me prove that. It is good to know with whom we are tangling. It is good to know who our enemy is. He is not a man. He is not a creature. He is God. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, notice, the Lord, above history, Lord of history, not part of it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the train of his robe filled the temple above him where seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with the two they covered their feet, apparently some humility. (laughs) They must all have humility before this holy God. And with two they were flying and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And look at what it did. Such a mighty revelation. 
Look at what it did to a prophet, Isaiah. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am finished. I am destroyed. I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Let's understand. We are dealing with him, son. When you reject his word and despise his word, we are dealing with him whose word we despise. Or turn with me chapter 10. There is a phrase that appears again and again in chapter 10. There is God telling us who he is. Look at chapter 10 and verse 16. Therefore... You see, therefore means because of arrogance. Therefore, the Lord means sovereign, Adonai, the Lord Almighty. So, he is the one we have to deal with, the sovereign one, Yahweh, self-existing, self-sufficient, eternal, infinite person, Almighty, I will send a wasting disease upon his sturdy warriors and so on. Turn again to verse 23. The Lord, the same phrase, the Lord Almighty will carry out. Have some respect and some reverence, some humility, some fear, some trembling when we speak about this great God. The Lord, verse 23, the Lord, the Lord Almighty will carry out. What is he going to carry out? The destruction decreed upon the whole land. He runs the world. He's not surprised by what people do or nations do. He's the Lord of history. And history moves on. And it will come to the end which God has decreed. Turn again with, with me to verse 24. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Therefore means because of human arrogance. Little puny human beings with their shrunken peanut brain. Defy him who is transcendent. Creator of the ends of the earth. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says, the Lord, the Lord Almighty says, O my people who live in Zion. He will act. This time, in terms of salvation. And when he saves, when he wants to save, he will save. Turn with me to chapter 10, verse 33. See the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will lop off. You must understand something here, you see. I think uh, Isaiah is speaking about 701 B.C., Something happened, 701 B.C. The king of Assyria was known, what was his name? Sennacherib. And you see him coming, and you see him coming. Look at verse 28. They enter Ayath, which means I, remember I. And he's coming closer and closer and closer. And finally... He reached, verse 32, this day they will halt at Nob, which is very near. Uh, from Nob, he will see the gate of Jerusalem. And here, the then world king, 
is saying, this day they will halt at no, but they will shake their fist. The Assyrian king will shake their fist against God, against Jerusalem. At the mount of the daughter of Zion, at the hill of Jerusalem. This is defiance. That he treats this God as little worthless idol. He shakes his fist. He is right there. He is going to take it. But then look at this interesting verse, verse 33. That's why I hope you will understand against whom you are dealing with. See the Lord, that sovereign one, the transcendent one. The Lord Almighty will what? Lop off. I don't have time to speak to you, but you know the story. It's recorded in chapter 36 and 37 and 38 of this book. Let's turn to uh, it, chapter 37 of this book. Let's find out his lopping business. And he knows how to lop you off. He knows how to cut you down to size. And he delights in humbling his creatures. So, he has come. It is 701 BC. He is in Nob with all his mighty army. Well known in the world. Ruthless. Cruel. Strong. He is there just to take Jerusalem. And he lopped him off. Look at chapter 37. And beginning with verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death the 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. Remember that? And that was not the end of it. Read verse 38. One day while he was, that is Sennacherib, worshipping in the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons killed him. That is what he can do. Lop you off. How do you feel now? Young man, young lady, how do you feel now? What are you going to do when God's word is coming to you? Why should I believe in God's word? Because if you don't, there is serious, inexorable, necessary, what? Consequence. And he will act because his word is effectual. I have seen him acting in history, present history, in the lives of people who defied him. His word is fire, his word is a hammer. He will lop you off. You become arrogant, you begin to grow and ascend to the throne of God. That's what it, it all happens in the brain. It's amazing what happens in the brain. And the father tells you something and all of a sudden something happens in the brain. You want to defy the father, defy the mother, defy the pastor, defy. I mean, we begin to grow taller and taller and taller and mightier. It's all dream. It's all in the head. Nothing. It's not true. And then there comes a time. What does he do? Cut you down. This is true in history and at the end of history that's why we believe the statement in the scripture it is appointed for man wants to die and then comes what? Judgment. And one day every knee shall bow 
in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue, including the tongue of Muhammad, will confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Teenager, did you know that? As you begin to grow tall in the head. See, I'm a small fellow. You know, I'm always all right. You know, I'm pretty small. <laughs> pretty small. But you can be small and have a what? A big head. Swollen head. God will have the law power. May God help us to have humility. May God help us to believe in the word and be saved. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Help us to believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is sent to this world, that we may have life and everlasting life. Thank you, O God, for enabling us to trust in your Son and believe in your word. Thank you for saving us. And we pray for those who have not trusted in you. Grant them faith that they may also come to trust in your Son and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.